0: Hello and welcome to Private Markets podcast series from Site Business School at the University of Oxford. I'm your host, Ludwig Falipu. I'm Professor of Financial Economics. Today's podcast is Venture Capital Laid Bear. We are going to sit with Anne Glover who's the ex-chairman of the BVCA and the EVCA, the European Venture Capital Association and British Venture Capital Association and she will tell us all about the venture capital landscape in Europe and in the UK. So, Anna, thank you very much for, for, for joining. And can you can you give us a bit of his historical perspective of the industry, where you see it today, and, and going forward?
1: Sure. It started as a development capital industry in the 80s, where it was building new businesses, but not necessarily specifically focused on tech. So at the time, most of the venture firms that were formed in the 80s were generalists. They did everything. Uh, what it was very interesting is that a number became buyout firms and a number began to specialize and in particular the older ones became life science funds and so if you look at the older um, and the most experienced investors in Europe in the venture capital space it's actually in the life sciences Mm -hmm. and then in the 90s uh, when the tech bubble Well, when the tech industry reinvigorated, there were a number of new funds like ours, where we were formed in 1997, that started doing tech investing exclusively, becoming expert in a particular field. And it was this change from being a generalist investor to becoming a specialist investor that was really significant. And that has continued. Of course, there was a boom and bust around the dot-com crisis, and then the financial crisis was another large hit to the industry. But what we're seeing now is a migration towards even more specialization. So you can see and find AI funds or Blockchain funds, or, or uh, you know, specific food and agriculture funds. And
0: what do you think it's that? because things become more com- com- complex. So, like in 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 academic research, we also specialized more and more. But that's because there is too much to absorb, and so we shrink.
1: No, I don't think it's that's the reason. I think it's because technology is now a foundation of almost every industry, and so it's not just the tech advances, but also their applications. And so, rather than it being a niche category in investment it's now actually quite ubiquitous and in fact all the incumbent companies, the larger incumbent, are threatened by technology disruption and so you need to understand the tech and then you also need to understand its application and so that's why I think this specialisation has happened it's happened in the US as well and so we are just mirroring that. Uh, Having said that, uh, we are still raising funds that are too small for the opportunity set, and uh, and that is one of the bet noirs that I've been working on for my whole time. If you industry. have
0: more opportunities than than there is money chasing them in Europe, You must mean your res- returns would be amazing, right? And, and from what I know of venture capital returns, especially in Europe, it is not... That's well, you, we
1: have to correct you on that. I, I, I'm very pleased to correct you. So Cambridge associate data says, says that um, 15, 10, 5 and 1 year returns between the US and pooled returns between US and Europe are identical.
0: In yeah. venture capital? In
1: venture capital, identical. Uh, so that's Cambridge associate data. That's publicly available. But but
0: you agree that the long-held view of the belief has oh, al- yeah. always been that the US venture capital were, had good returns and in Europe it was terrible. And so that, that could explain why there was not much money. Going into venture capital in Europe or something, you can probably... Yeah. comment but, but
1: the that was true of the 25-year returns now 25 years ago is a long time ago so you're yeah. right there's a big gap in the 25 year so returns. so there was
0: the late 90s went wrong in Europe I guess and then from the early 2000 on these two it's been, uh, have been, been the very same. similar
1: exactly and Adam Street data which is a big fund of funds that invests in both regions uh, has shows identically the same uh, data which how about
0: is- emerging markets too early to tell because venture capital in China now I, I think like the statistics is something like there's as many funds who started in China China, or even uh, operating in China right now, than like the rest of the world in VC, right? It's like the numbers are like incredible.
1: They are incredible, and uh, the uh, the numbers have been incredible, but they haven't they haven't actually hit the downturn that 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 may happen. In other words, a lot of their it's not all realized. I mean, you, one of the things about venture capital is that until you make it a realized return, you really are measuring mark to market.
0: Even if you have some exit, is very partial, and so you never exactly. know if like you will exactly. be able to to sell the other 90. Percent the exactly. Same way and, yeah, yeah. exactly
1: but you know China has been a fantastic market and it, it's probably the number two market now in the world after it's, so
0: it's even more difficult than in leverage buyout to, to or, or real estate or, and so on to measure returns in venture capital. Because um, it would take longer, because yes. uh, often you know the investment periods are much longer. So sure. we really need to wait ten years to see a fund, and even then, and, and exactly. things are partially exited only. And
1: exactly, exactly. It's very difficult, and uh, and that's why you have to look well. I, so that's why I pay attention to the Adam Street data because it's realized data. Mm. Cambridge is more uh, unrealized, unrealized.
0: But 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 you you you, uh, you you know you were eager to correct me on the perception of of different yes. returns in Europe and and versus the US. But then you said that we have much less funds in Europe to invest Correct. in the opportunities. So that means that I was not the only one to think that way, probably, right? I mean, there is a reason why the funds are lower. So why are, not, are people not paying attention to the data you're I, paying attention uh, okay. to? Okay.
1: So performance is one thing, and I hope I've corrected that but there is a structural problem as well. And the structural problem is that uh, both uh, uh, European pension funds and insurers um, since the middle of the 2000s have in fact been regulated out of investing in risky asset classes like venture capital. So we have no domestic pools of capital supporting reasonable fund sizes. We have family offices, we have individuals, we have EIF and the other government agencies, but we have none of the the classic pools of capital that support this we, we have
0: seen this in the US. There is some, some, some good research that has shown that, indeed, the US pension funds do invest in venture capital. Yes have always done so. And in particular, and so you would think like, why are the US one doing it and not the other ones? It's regulation. But the, but, so there is, part of it is regulation, but also it has been found that in the US, it's, in, it's particularly the case when there are lots of politici- politicians on the board of pension funds that we see investment in venture capital and in particular in venture capital in the same state mm. as these pension funds. And these are the worst investments they do. So there is this research that is pretty clear in the states where you have more politicians on the investment committee of pension funds they invest more in VC and more in VC locally and these investments usually don't do very well. So that, that's uh, uh, one thing that has been uh, found. But so, so, so it's indeed a very interesting difference. And you say that the regulation then plays also a role to explain the difference with. Uh, with Massively, Europe.
1: because insurers have a capital adequacy of 49%, so they have to hold 49 cents for every dollar they invest in, in a risky asset class. Actually, it's true of private equity, not just venture capital, but that. Uh, and in, in the US, it's down in the teens.
0: It has to be down to so this local bias, because if it wasn't a local bias, this U.S. pension fund would send money to Europe as well, right? So it's, I think no, it's no, p- I, potentially okay. because V.C. is, is, is uh, often... Uh... Uh,
1: so there is a local bias, you're right, but that's not the reason. The people who are sophisticated, the pension funds who are sophisticated in uh, the U.S. and North America have decided to play Europe in, uh, first of all, their ticket size is too large, it's $100 million, and that's the size of a, an entire fund, and they won't be an entire fund. So there's a, a mismatch between their the, the size of their capital and the opportunity set. And that's why the funder funds is a necessary layer in between. And the second is that the Canadians, who are also very good in, in this, um, have decided to build their own teams on the ground. and they've just Even in
0: VC? Because it's usually more like infrastructure, in real estate, yeah. or, or, or did you see the evolution that if you first buy your own team as a pension fund, in real estate, then you start doing some infrastructure, then you do some yes. growth, LBO, and now they even go like to very specialized things like VC, tech, absolutely.
1: biotech? Absolutely. OMERS has just created its own VC team, absolutely.
0: And how do you feel about that? Because it's, it feels pretty... you need some pretty specialized skills to do these things.
1: They've hired people with experience. They've, they've been very smart about it. There's not many of them yet, but frankly... Given how difficult it is to raise funds and how long it takes, I actually think that having a, a well-qualified VC team that is sitting on its own capital is fantastic. So you're tempted,
0: or you tempted to, to, to make the switch? No. And, like, why do you think, no. do you think also that, that would be more of a future? That there will be disintermediation, especially for the venture capital leverage? By I do not have this problem of like scarcity yes. of capital. They get enough. Sure. So But in the VC space, then could it be we are also Trying to see what the future has in store. So, uh, you, you, you think that then in VC, the disintermediation will be faster, stronger, and then people will say, you know, I'm going to do corporate venture capital, the style thing, right? But, right? but for a pension fund investing their money.
1: Possibly. I mean, I'm not inside that decision making arc, um, but uh, I, I think the Canadians are unique in this. Um, uh, but I. You know, it's possible. I, I still think this is still a cottage industry and owner-managed. I mean, owner-managed vehicles are still going to be the dominant uh, category. Um, but the other category that uh, that is is clearly come up is the. Um, is the listed vcts in the uk and other listed vehicles
0: create some permanent capital pools some
1: permanent capital pools yeah and i also think uh, and we have the opportunity to do the same in um, in artificial intelligence and machine learning actually because a lot of the leading academics in
0: that field are in europe in oxford actually
1: and, and even in oxford yes and uh, uh, so uh, we we are we're on the cusp of that becoming a massive sector or underlying technology addressing many sectors. It's the new wave of of innovation in the same way as the Internet uh, basically penetrated and under what came the platform technology that every business used. You're going to find the same thing with AI. And it's overhyped at the moment, but it actually will be a fundamental but That's always effort. the thing we're very
0: nervous about with venture yeah. capital is that we, we seem to... It, there's this long resort, but in fact, we. Uh, it, it's a fascinating... Uh, history uh, uh, study that if you take every big innovation, people spotted that it would change the world, then people paid infinite price for, for, for it. Yes. And they have never made any money on the first round. For first round. So an, a good example is the, the rail. Uh, in the US, uh, early 20th century, everything, everybody believes, wow, if there is like trains going all across the US, everybody are going to use trains, this is going to change the face of Earth. So no matter what the price is, I need to buy this and to invest in this. And people have lost their shirt on it because, yes, they were right, everybody's taking trains and millions of people are taking trains every day. But if you pay an infinite price for it, then you're not gonna make any money. And then we saw the same with the internet. The people who are very big in internet, the Google, the Amazon, et cetera, were not there in the first wave.
1: Correct. So the, this is where the Gartner Hype Cycle really informs investing. Uh, in other words, if you want to be seed investor, you can either get out at the top of the hype very quickly and often as a tech asset, do very well, or you ride all the way through the trough of disillusionment and on to building a real company. But then you need 10 to 15 years to That's right. And you have
0: learned on the way, and so then you would have lost some money, but you would have learned, that, and that positions you to… Be, uh...
1: Yeah. Well, it's not so much that you've lost some money, it's just that valuations fall. Okay, and yeah. Yeah, and and you, you've to got it. to hold on to it and and carry it through, or you go in during that trough, and and that's where you can go and in snap at the. Well, yes, uh, essentially, and, and ride the actual delivery of the yeah. I, of the innovation into a, bit, a real market. But isn't it
0: pretty hard to spot where we are in, in the cycle? No,
1: actually, I don't think it is hard to spot. Uh, I just think that, that people are uh, have to be contrarian, and that's actually quite hard. And You're... so right
0: now, we, like, we, we agree, like blockchain, AI, uh, bitcoins, very... all these things are overhyped?
1: Those are all entirely different. They are all have entirely different cycles. And by the way, you can go through a hype cycle and you can go nowhere, and that's where Bitcoin is going. But having said that, you know, the people who've made money have already made money on it, and I don't think it's going to continue. But the others have legs and they will emerge, but I don't I think AI will emerge and morph as, across the board, and blockchain will be niche.
0: These family offices you are mentioning that invest in venture capital. These are often entrepreneurs who are very keen to 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 do again venture to do venture capital. Like, like in between, like angels and then partnering. Yeah,
1: I mean, when I talk about family offices, I'm actually talking about more institutionalized ones, yeah. and they're older older uh, families who have got multiple generations and are professionally managed. But but uh, but. Uh, w- We're absolutely right. When uh, there's a lot more entrepreneurs who are both acting as angel investors and mentors, which is really important, and a few, not that many, but a few have set up funds. I mean, in fact, you know, my my business partner Herman Hauser is one of the best known entrepreneurs in Europe, and we, in fact, uh, were an entrepreneur led fund in 1997. Mm -hmm. So we were right at the beginning of that wave. But there is a whole series of other people who've joined who made money in the dot com boom and are now setting up funds and and becoming quite established as the major players in europe so i think that the idea that uh, that that um investors venture capital investors uh come from a previous finance background has more or less gone away mm-hmm. it used to be that that was the case but that's disappeared mm-hmm. and i think it, it pretty much died in the in the 90s
0: and um and you, you did some work as well uh, with the European Venture Capital Association yes. uh, who's trying to then coordinate the efforts of the different members of the industry. In a lot of things you've said before you did seem to say that you know we need some coordinated effort yes. to like change the Uh, perception on numbers or on the situation in Europe compared to like the public. There is also something, um, the public image of private equity or private markets or some parts of private markets is not not always as good as what the FK would like it to be. Um, can you tell us about the work you've done with uh, EVCA sure. and, and these efforts of coordinating the industry, the issues with public image and, and, and talking to the regulator to ask them to not see venture capital as, as risky as they do and, and so on?
1: yeah so um so the evca as it was uh, was the european venture capital association and at the time private markets was largely venture capital the buyout firms only arrived in the late 80s early 90s and the evca was formed in 83 so um what happened was uh, they didn't have an association and then when they got into a uh, political uh, media crisis over the way in which they'd handled some of their larger investments with too much debt and unfortunately um, uh, massive layoffs in both Denmark and in the UK. Uh, the politicians and the Commission, um, not the, the parliament, European Parliament, uh, began attacking the private equity industry and they then joined EFCA in, in force and we uh, became an association that looked at private markets and it was really important for us to uh, argue for uh, appropriate leg- regulation, which we did manage to do, and also a distinction between venture capital because and Because the there's a difficulty,
0: right? So the politicians yeah. are complaining about about LBOs, and then you have venture capital, which are usually the darlings of politicians, and then it's yeah. the same association handling both.
1: It was hard. We, we kept, and we still keep, uh, the language distinction. Uh, uh, venture capital is seen as different than, the, than yeah. the buyout industry.
0: And now he changed his name to European Invest anyway, so. Invest Europe, yes,
1: that was also really motivated by the LPs, who then also joined the association, which was great because that meant that LPs and GPs were in the same association and talking together, and that was really helpful. But the LPs in particular didn't want to be seen as venture capitalists, so we had. Because a number, they don't invest in anything, anyway. anyway. So, yeah. so it, there was a need to to sort of broaden the church, and that's why Invest Europe. Uh, changed its name. And it still has different platforms. It has the mid-market venture capital LP platform and uh, and the big buy platform. So those are all different constituents. We we happen to use very similar regulatory environment, very similar legal structures. And and there the commonality kind of disappears. So yeah, that, I
0: think the main commonality is the use of limited partnership set up and that's it. And that I means there are lots of communities on fees, on the way performance is reported, the the, the transparency questions and so on. But the underlying investment, the logic, etc., the impact on the public, and all of this is like totally very different. different.
1: Yes, exactly. That's very different. Uh, but that you know, that's that's okay. You know, markets are you know segmented, and this is just another form right. of segmentation.
0: We, we we have time for just like one more comment. Is there anything in particular you would like to comment on?
1: I think the main thing that I would like to comment on is 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 the importance of. Um, research and development and science Mm -hmm. and how I've also spent quite some time working with uh, both UK government and the Commission on making sure that public money is still allocated to research and development because it is are very much those massively disruptive innovations that come out of the university system that have the potential to start new industries. And we're interested in in literally starting new industries. And I'm very excited, our current funds, I, I can think of four companies in our current funds, that if they succeed, they will become part of a new industry. And I haven't seen that in that concentration ever before in the last 30 years. So it's really important that, that it's not just venture capital, but it's also the, the research and development inside our university ecosystem that's supported in order to help these companies with pipelines of innovation that will then become the new industries of the future. I couldn't be more excited in terms of what I see, but, um, that's my fear is that, that, that we don't allocate enough Continuously to research and development
0: perhaps the problem is like if if this would be public funding for private return So we need to find a way to uh... it's public
1: funding for research that then is not uh, which then becomes a It's a private return in the sense that uh, The companies the form but they they create jobs they create value-added and they compete on a global stage. We have to. We've lost some wars already. We know that we lost the solar war, the solar panel war. We're, even although the two leaders quite a that, lot of
0: energy wars.
1: A lot of energy wars. We're 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 in danger. I'm very worried about losing the AI war. I hope we won't lose that war. Um, because and we must pay attention to these industries of the future that we keep. Um, the companies here and can be And now in
0: particular because China as a superpower Correct. coming like like yeah. n- nailing us especially in AI and, yeah, and exactly. the like being particularly exactly. strong. So
1: that's what I'm really that's what I really care about. Yes, of course we have to do it for private return on individual companies, but I'm actually taking yeah. a step up in terms of policy and saying Excellent. that's that's really what matters.
0: Well, thank you very much, and for being here uh, with me uh, today. It was extremely informative. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. I hope you enjoy and learn from listening to our podcast today. Thank you for listening to the Private Markets podcast series from the Saïd Business School at the University of Oxford. You can also send us your questions and feedback at sbspodcasts at sbs.ox.ac.uk, that's sbspodcasts with an s at sbs.ox.ac.uk.